Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Great Peterson Experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It is hour number two of the Greg Peterson Experience here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And we've got a tremendous hour coming up for you as going to go with a lot of baseball in this hour as going to be joined by Sean Zarello, who does great work over at the Action Network, and Justin Perry, doing amazing work over at Shot Quality Bets. We're going to have a little bit of a baseball roundtable. We're going to be chatting about some of these teams and the form that they're in entering into the postseason. We don't really have a lot of playoff races that are going down right now. The Milwaukee Brewers somehow, some way, have weaseled their way into still being alive for the <laughs> National League wild card, and I am someone from the great state of Wisconsin who's in Complete and utter disbelief that they're somehow, someway still alive, though the Philadelphia Phillies, they had a big win on Wednesday to keep themselves in the driver's seat in that one. And then obviously the NL East very much up for grabs. But that said, we're going to be having that chat with those gentlemen here in the second hour in about 15 or so minutes. And also going to be hitting upon towards back half of this hour, Thursday Night Football. I know that that is a big topic right now. I really don't have a lot in terms of the college football card for Thursday, so we will see if Scott Reichel, who's going to be joining me in hour number three, is going to be able to give us a few picks on that landscape, but what I do have for you is a lot of baseball for this Thursday, so let's kick it off with the write-up I'm going to be doing for DK Nation, and this is going to be out there in the great state of Missouri, as we go with the Kansas City Royals and the Minnesota Twins in this spot with a pair of young guns who are going to be going. Joshua Winder gets a start 
for the Minnesota Twins. And John Easley is on the bump for the Kansas City Royals. This is 9-15, 9-16 on the betting board. Total on this game is 8 and With the Minnesota Twins, you're going to be finding them between minus 125 and minus 130 And My write-up here is on the over. I felt like even at an 8.5, I'd be willing to take this total over. So unless we see a full run jump in this one, I like it. And with Josh Winder, he's had a adventurous 2022 season that has involved injuries, stints in the minors, and he's made just two starts since the All-Star break. And in those two starts, he hasn't been sharp, giving up three home runs, six runs in total over the course of eight and a third inning. So he leaves a little bit of something to be desired on that front. And with the Minnesota Twins, they've really had to dive into their bullpen quite a bit recently as well, a bullpen that has been right around league average this year. It's not been by any stretch of the imagination terrible. It has been far from amazing as well. So you've got your, I guess you'd call it good and bad with that regard. The Minnesota Twins plus All-Star break have been right around 14th in terms of bullpen ERA. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Royals, they are dead last in terms of American League bullpen ERA for the entirety of the season. They are not backed up by a lot of guys that you want to be taking a look at. Guys like Carlos Hernandez. Let's throw in there someone like a Luke Weaver. All these guys are posting up north of a 5-year Amir Garrett, who's been a complete disaster. And you're probably going to be looking to these guys quite a bit because with Mr. John Heasley, he's allowed three earned runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts, but he's still been giving up a lot of walks, which knocks him out of games early. He has went five innings or fewer in eight out of his last 12 starts. He has been lackluster at home with a 6.43 ERA with 1.7 home runs per nine innings when he's been in Kansas City this season. So that is not very good. And for the Minnesota Twins, they are dealing with a few injuries. Byron Buxton is currently out of the fold for the team. And then on top of that, they've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Ode Polanco. But you still have a lot of guys that do a solid job moving the line as Carlos Correa has really been able to step up for this bunch. He's got 20-plus home runs this season. He's done a nice job hitting for about a... 285, and then on top of that, you've got a lot of guys like Nick Gordon, Gio Urshela, Jose Miranda hitting in that fold of about a 270 to 280. You've had a couple young guys like Matt Walner step up, and then flip side for the Kansas City Royals. They've got a lot of prospects that have been able to do a nice job themselves. Someone like Nate Eaton has been able to do a really good job of reaching base, hitting about a 250 overall for the season. They get back Vinny Pescantino. He's been able to hit about a 250 as well. You've got a pair of guys that have went deep 20-plus times this season, and Bobby Wood Jr., coupled with Salvador Perez. Both of these guys in between about a 245 to 255. Both of these guys have heated up with the deep ball this season as well. So I do give a lot of credit to what they've been able to do as well. So I do think that we're going to see quite a bit of offense in this game because I think that John Easley is not going to be able to end the start that is necessarily desired in this circumstance. And I do think that for the Minnesota Twins are going to be able to do enough to move the line here for the Twins. A little bit of a rough go of it on Wednesday, but by and large, offense has been able to generate a little bit of production. And for the Kansas City Royals, five plus runs for them in four out of their last five games. So they seem to be rounding into form as well. So my DK Nation write-up is involving the over and I just really do not want any part whatsoever of John Easley. I don't want any part of that bullpen as well with the Minnesota Twins. In terms of the money line, if you're looking a little bit more at the side, I did set the Minnesota Twins. We're on a minus 145 favorite. I was willing to lay up to a minus 145, so here at a minus 130, I think that there's good value with the Minnesota Twins, and I also do think that there's good value with the over as well. Got a couple early games out in the American League, and this is the earliest of them, so 
How about if we add on this game as well before we are joined by our guests in the next segment, 913-914 on the board. This is the LA Angels. They're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Texas Rangers as Martin Perez, he gets a start for Texas. And we got Michael Lorenzen, who's going to be on the bump for the Los Angeles Angels. We're seeing mostly eight and a halfs in terms of the total. I'm seeing a couple straight eights still out there, but this is a total that began at eight. Now we're seeing mostly eight and a half. And with the Texas Rangers, we have them between about a minus 135 to a minus 142 favorite. DraftKings in the middle on this one at a minus 140. And between about a plus 120 to a plus 132 is your number on the LA Angels. And with the Texas Rangers, a little bit of a strange team this season with the way that they've been able to generate offense. If you're taking a look at the run line in this one, by the way, you're finding that right around a plus 135. And if I'd be able to get more like a minus 150 on the run line of the LA Angels, because this is a run line that has been dropping down, down, down quite a bit as it opened up in a lot of places right around about a minus 160 to a minus 170. And it's been a little bit all over the place. I'd be willing to fire in there. And heck, if you're able to lay a run and F with the Texas Rangers again north of a plus 150, that'd be something I'd be looking at as well. But what I really do like here is the total because we have seen this little hike up to eight and a half. I'm looking at the under because Martin Perez has been able to do a masterful job all season long for the Texas Rangers. Not a guy that is going to go out there and light the world on fire in terms of strikeouts. He's been getting a little bit over seven strikeouts per nine innings, but a steady Eddie guy that has really cut down on the walks. Between the 2019 and 2020 seasons, he was giving out right around 3.8 walks per nine innings. He has lowered that to 2.9 this season. Has done a great job keeping the ball in the yard, giving up about a half a home run per nine innings, both at home and on the road. And he does a good job as a result because he doesn't give up a lot of free passes of being able to go deep into games, lend a lot of length. And that's big for a Texas Rangers team that they're top-heavy in terms of their bullpen. You've got guys like a Matt Moore, Brock Burke. They've been able to supply a sub-275 ERA. Both of these guys did get used up on Wednesday, so that does leave a little bit of caution. Jose LeClerc, he's been doing a solid job posting up about a 3-1 ERA of his own, but... When you get into guys like a Dennis Santana, Jesus Sunoco doesn't have the world's worst CRA, but he doesn't have a great track record. That's not too terrific. And for the LA Angels, they've really shaped up in terms of their bullpen as well. At the beginning of the season, it was a hot mess, and I think that that's about as politely as I could put it for the LA Angels, but post all-star break, they've been in the top half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Really, since the beginning of the month of August, Maybe the last 45 days, if you want to be a little bit more specific. This has been an Angels team that has been towards the top 10 in terms of bullpen ERA as well. Guys like Jose Quiata, Andrew Wants, they've been able to do a nice job in this bullpen. But my big fear with taking the LA Angels, which is why I need at least a plus 135 to take a shot on them, despite the offense that I'll hit upon in a minute, is Michael Lorenzo just has not been great. And now since coming off the injured list, has not been able to really deliver for this team as well. He's been giving up quite a bit of the deep ball. And with Michael Lorenzen, he's a pitch of contact guy that's giving up four walks per nine innings. That is a really bad combination. 6.8, 6.9 strikeouts per nine innings, 474 ERA. And despite having a 474 ERA, his fielding independent is actually higher than that. And is not something that you want to see, to say the least. Has not necessarily been an innings eater as well. So you could maybe look to a little bit more of a long guy like an Aime Badillo, who's been very good for the LA Angels, but you do take a look at the Angels, and bottom of the lineup is not good. Guys like Joe Adele, we're going to throw in there Kurt Suzuki, Andrew Velasquez. These are not guys that you want to bank on being able to drive and runs, but 
I think many people know the top two guys for the same show. I have Tony Mike Trout, both delivering 33 plus home runs. These two guys coupled with a guy in Taylor Ward that actually went deep for the LA angels in their game on Wednesday. And then you're able to throw in there. Luis Renifo all inning between about a 268 to 280. Renifo had a multi home run game a few days ago for the LA angels as well. So he's been able to do his part. And then flip side for the Texas Rangers, you've got Adelise Garcia, Corey Seager, Throwing there a pair of other guys in Nate Lowe and Marcus Simeon. All hitting at least 23 home runs. Seager, the high water mark at 30 home runs. And Seager, Adelise Garcia, Marcus Simeon, all in between about a 245 to 255. And then you dive into Nate Lowe and what he's been able to do. He's been hitting above a 300. So that's good for this bunch. And then Bubba Thompson towards the bottom of the fold. He's able to move the line. But once again, with the Texas Rangers, their offense and just their general power, it is very top heavy. And I do think that that'll help out with regards to this total going under because you got a lot of guys that they get on base towards the top and then the bottom part they strain quite a few men on base and that can sometimes be a big giant issue when it comes to the Rangers I was willing to lay up to a minus 134 with them and we saw a lot of minus 134-ish early on them and right now here where I sit at Circa it is the best number I would still be willing to take the minus 134 here with Texas but if you have yet to fire in on this game I would say take a look at some overnight line movement. If you can get closer to it, like a plus 150 on the run line of the Rangers, if this becomes a little bit of an out of whack number, I don't hate that. But what I really do like here for Angels versus Rangers is this total under seeing the ANFs that have popped up. And something else that's popping up is a great chat on the flip side. It's Justin Perry. He does a great job over at Shock Quality Bets. And then We've got the Action Network's Sean Zerillo joining me. We're going to be taking a look at what we're all getting in the game of baseball. Take a look at some Thursday games and take a look at these playoff races next here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> 
I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. Horse racing fans, First Bet wants to invite you to enter their free sweepstakes and win a trip to Santa Anita Park October 6th through the 9th. The grand prize package includes airfare, hotels, tickets to the races, plus a $1,000 betting voucher from First Bet. Head on over to vsin.com slash horses now to register as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on vsin, the sports betting network, being joined now by Justin Perry, who does great work over at Shock Quality Bets, and then on the flip side, we are joined by Sean's Roll. It does great work over at the Action Network, and it is great to be joined by both of you as right now, in terms of Major League Baseball, it seems like we're getting set in terms of a lot of these playoff races, but we've got one very interesting one that still hangs in the balance, and that would be the National League East. I'll start with you on this, Sean. In terms of the National League East race, where do you sit? Because with the New York Mets, has been a little bit of a rough run for them the last few weeks, and I do think that there's quite a bit of value that is starting to sort of come about with the Atlanta Braves because both of these teams are going to be meeting up to end really the back half of the regular season. Yeah, I've been on the Braves since the All-Star break when I re-rated my teams around that time pre-trade deadline. I actually rated the Braves as the best team in baseball, and that was before Vaughn Grissom came up, knowing that they were going to get Ozzy Albies back around playoff time. You look at their remaining schedules, they do have the three games head-to-head. Other than that, the Mets do have a slightly easier path, three against the Nationals, three against the A's, two against the Marlins, the Braves sitting with three against both the Marlins and the Nationals, but don't have that series with the A's. So probably end up kind of coming down, going to end up coming down to that head-to-head series between those two teams. The Braves, I believe, though, do need to sweep that series in order to get ahead because essentially they're a game and a half behind considering the tiebreaker scenario with the head-to-head record. So I do like the Braves in terms of World Series odds, pennant odds, what have you. In terms of divisional odds, I would probably just go ahead and either bet them to win that series when they play head-to-head or just bet them in each game of that series and maybe roll over on the money line. I do think that that's a good way of looking at it as well because you don't have to just take the Braves at a plus 200 to be able to win the National League East because... In terms of that series, that's really going to decide what happens if you want to take a look at them for even like a series bet when it comes to Mets versus Braves as well. That's something that you're able to dive into as well. And Justin, is there any way that you'd be taking a look at the futures market on either the Mets or the Braves if you're interested in either of these teams? Because right now as it sits, I'm seeing a lot more interest from myself in the Atlanta Braves rather than the Mets with the way that they've been playing. 
Yeah, you can just feel the momentum has been shifting more towards the Braves over the last couple of weeks. I think that if you're going to be looking to take any action on this one, for me, it's probably the Braves to make it to the World Series. I think they are the one of the strongest teams in the National League right now, right there with the Dodgers. I have a feeling it's going to come down to those two this season. The Mets, I mean, they've been the story to watch all season, but right now, of course, having trouble keeping that you know stunning starting pitching rotation healthy. It's been cause for concern all year, and we're really seeing it rear its ugly head now as the season comes to a close. Yeah, it's been interesting to look at this Mets team all season long because now they're starting to finally get healthy. They got a good start out of Max Scherzer. Jacob deGrom has been able to stay out there on the field at this point, but that's always my trepidation. And when it comes to just taking a look at these teams and the runs that they're going to be making in general, and I'll start with you, Sean, I think that it is very important to take a look at a team's track record their injury history in general, because with the Mets, I just still have any pause on betting this team in the futures market. If anything, I would look at them game to game because you just don't know when Max Scherzer or Jacob deGrom might not be able to pitch that next game because they have an injury that pops up in like their first start of a series, something of that nature. And that's the big fear that I've got with the Mets because I still feel like they're a talented bunch, but that just lingers in the back of my mind. Yeah, Scherzer's still getting his arm fully stretched out again as well, was on a limited pitch count with his first start back. Obviously, was essentially perfect through, I believe, six innings that he finished. But as a Mets fan, their bullpen beyond Edwin Diaz kind of concerns me. It's those middle innings, that bridge to Diaz, especially in addition to behind DeGrom and Scherzer, that third game, fourth game in a playoff series, I think could be a little bit frustrating or concerning as well. I like Chris Bassett. I'm a big fan of his, but he does have starts where his command is not there and he can get hit a little bit. Cubs beat him up a little bit last time out. So definitely have concerns about the Mets. Their pitching depth, their offensive pop seems to be lacking at times. And in the second half of the season, they tried to make improvements to their lineup and their balance relative to righties and lefties. They've been absolutely killing right-handed pitching. I believe they're the number one offense against righties since the trade deadline, since the all-star break. But against lefties, they're closer to 20 if they have really struggled against left-handed pitching. So you put them in a series face-off against Max Fried. Put them against the Dodgers with Arias and Kershaw. I think they can struggle. Going to be matchup dependent, but definitely have concerns about the Mets pitching behind DeGrom and Scherzer and obviously Edwin Diaz. And seeing the, in terms of the National League pennant odds, the Mets at plus 265 and the Braves at plus 380. That just doesn't seem right to me at this point. I just don't think that there's a lot of value on the Mets at this point just because of those issues. And Justin, when it comes to taking a look at the American League, the number one team has been Except for quite a while in the Houston Astros. They've done a very nice job in this series against the Tampa Bay Rays, by the way. I wound up fading them a few days ago, and they were not hung over at all after winning the winning the division as they took care of business once again. And right now they're plus 175 to win the American League. As you see it right now, do you think that there's any competi- competition in the American League to the Houston Astros? Because right now the obvious one is the New York Yankees, but they've had a ton of injuries themselves. And then past that, it's been a bunch of teams like the Seattle Mariners, the Rays, and the Guardians that they've got good pitching, but I just don't know if they have the bats to go up against this, once again, amazing Astros, both rotation and bullpen. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It's the it's the rotation and the bullpen for me that really make this Astros team scary. We talk about the batting order all the time, how potent the offense is, but they're they're tight on the back end too, right? They know how to lock it down. They have some great arms coming out of the pen. I do think it is the Yankees still. We saw in the last couple of days, of course, they've been playing the Pirates, so maybe it's not the best litmus test right now, but the lineup does look a lot better. Uh, Harrison Bader coming in, getting some nice big hits for the Yankees, starting to make that trade with Vermont Montgomery look a little less suspect uh, now that we're seeing him in action. So I don't know. I think this Yankees lineup is obviously the biggest threat in the American League. We'll see how healthy they can be when they start rolling into some October baseball. But that's the big factor is how healthy this sort of older squad can stay. Uh, you know, Giancarlo Stanton feels like the X factor in the American League. If he can actually bring a healthy bat into the playoffs, the Yankees will be a lot tougher to get out. And what I think is a problem for the New York Yankees, though, is you point out John Carlos Santon, and he could be a big X factor, but you've got John Carlos Santon, you've got Josh Donaldson and Anthony Rizzo. All three of these guys are hitting below a 235, and I do recognize that John Carlos Santon, along with Rizzo, they do a relatively solid job of being able to move the line and draw walks in sort of that. But when it comes to October baseball, it's a little bit colder out in the northeast part of the country. And does that give you any concern with the Yankees? Because I just feel like, some of these balls that were flying out during the summertime for these guys, they aren't going to be flying out in October. Yeah, for me, short answers. Yeah, I'm definitely, you know, very involved in looking at weather and how it impacts this game. And you got to be ready for that cold spell and be ready to jump on an under if it looks like it's going to be a colder day out of nowhere. It could definitely impact the Yankees playing up here in New York. And I'll pose this to you as well, Sean, because I do think that the Yankees are very interesting because they score 14 runs on Wednesday. They look terrific, but the caveat is it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I like Ronzi Contreras, but it's still the Pittsburgh Pirates. And when it comes to the Yankees, my big fear with them is that you've got a bunch of big names, but at the same time, you've got a team that very much relies upon the deep ball. And in October, with the weather getting colder, I fear that that just might not be there for them. It's also dependent upon what kind of baseballs you're going to get. We have been able to prove through science that in past postseasons, MLB cycled out different baseballs for the postseason relative to what they were using in the regular season. They used dead-end baseballs. Now, I have a theory that the Yankees got a nice shipment of hot baseballs for the past few days to potentially get Aaron Judge over the record, and it seems like the ball is absolutely flying out of Yankee Stadium right now. Do they cycle in the dead-end balls back for the postseason? So... Kind of one of those things that we can't really predict until we get there. We can use the bat ball data, the flight data, once we have it through StackCast in order to measure whether we think the balls are hot or deadened. But definitely going to be interesting to see whether they switch back to these dead balls in the postseason. In addition to the fact that we've had pitchers definitely going back to using the tack throughout the season as well. It's clear that spin rates have trended up throughout the season. And the Yankees definitely a team, especially with their relievers, who take advantage of that. But I think we have talked about the four best teams. I think Braves, Dodgers, and Yankees, Astros. I think that is your final two in each league. Yep, I don't blame you there. I could perhaps see a little bit more hoopla in the National League just because you do have, in my opinion, more teams in general that are able to put bat to ball. I was mentioning it a little bit before. The Seattle Mariners, Cleveland Guardians, they just don't have enough offense, in my opinion. Meanwhile, even a team like the St. Louis Cardinals, they've had their struggles over the last two, two days. You can see them put it together, a team like the San Diego Padres. Well, it's been a hot mess since the trade deadline, but those guys, they still have a lot of talent. They could come to the forefront, and they could be able to provide 
their best when it comes to October as well. So that is going to be worth seeing. And something else that is going to be worth seeing is Thursday's baseball card as well as we've got a relatively good one typically in terms of a getaway day. You don't have as many games, but we've got about 13 games to talk about as we've got a pair of guys that are terrific to be able to join me to talk about them as John Zerill and Justin Perry going to be joining me on the other side here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Kick off the football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for every line boost and special. Lace them up for week three with the Bet Rivers Parlay Insurance and Touchdown Insurances offered every single Sunday all season long. Build a parlay of at least four legs, and if it loses, you get your stake back as a free bet of up to $25. Wager on any player to score the first touchdown on Sunday Night Football, and you get your money back as free bet if they score at any time. Head on over to BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. It's a whole new game as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network, being rejoined by Sean's Rule. Does great work over at the Action Network, and Justin Perry does great work over at Shot Quality Bets. And you guys actually have mutual plays, so we're going to dive into these first. And most of these involve day games, and we're going to start with you on this one, Sean. The St. Louis Cardinals and the San Diego Padres are going to be wrapping up their series with Joe Musgrove going for the pods, and Captain Jack Flaherty is on the bump for the Cardinals. But I don't know how much of a captain he is anymore, as right now the San Diego Padres have ticked up quite a bit in terms of this line to about a minus 140 to a minus 142 favor. Starting to get to the edge of my threshold, but even with the line move, I personally like the San Diego Padres in this spot. Not sure where you stand, but not been impressed by Jack Flaherty. Yeah, I made the first five line for the Padres here, minus 175. The full game line, minus 145. So the full game line definitely less of an edge than the first five line. I would lay the first five all the way up to minus 160, though. Clarity's expected metrics all around six this season. Walks and strikeouts relatively even. But his fastball velocity is down a full tick from his peak. Swinging strike rate down 5%. Trended down last year has fallen further this year. Called strike plus whiff rate down 8%. First pitch strike rate down 10%. Across the board, the underlying metrics are bad. And then you dig in the stuff plus from Inoceris location plus that has all fallen below average too. So across the board, both in terms of like his fan graph stats and then looking even deeper at his arsenal, everything is trending in the wrong direction. I think the Cardinals are just in need of high quality pitching, especially starting pitching. And they're trying to see what they can get out of them, essentially, since they have a playoff spot locked up here. Joe Musgrove, on the other hand, an absolute model of consistency. 27 starts this year, 20 quality starts. Going to give you a very consistent, honest effort each time out, he also puts the Cardinals in their lesser split. The Cardinals dominate left-handed pitching. They're 30% better than league average. It's the best in baseball. They fall to sixth against righties, and they're just 9% above average, which is still great. It's just a substantial drop-off relative to how they are against lefties. They're also in a huge funk right now. I mentioned during the break, they've scored one run, one earned run in their past 42 innings. Got shut out tonight. Only managed a couple of hits tonight. So definitely a big funk for this Cardinals lineup. I really like the Padres, especially if the first five for one for uh, Thursday's matchup. I'm sure their offense will come out and win a nine eight game. <laughs> anytime I have money against the Cardinals, they find a way to just sprinkle in that voodoo magic. But Padres seem like a clear value side, even at the inflated or at a juice price. I'm not a favorite better. I'm more of an underdog better, but 
definitely think going against Flaherty, the market still thinks he is closer to peak than he is, and I think he's washed. We made this line about the same. You made a minus 145 for the full game. I made a minus 144, so we are in relative lockstep there. And Justin, are you joining in on the party, or are you fading both of us in terms of Padres versus Cardinals? Well, you know, Sean said it's going to end up as a 9-8 game, and I, I really hope not. I'm going to take the under on this one. I found under 8 at points bet for like minus 115. I thought that was a nice line. Look, it is not easy to get that many runs across the plate in a San Diego game, period. And I do agree. I do think that Jack Flaherty does have his subpar stuff. His numbers don't look great. The expected Woba has been trending in the wrong direction for a little while now, but it still can be hard to get past eight runs. I don't know if San Diego's in the position to be blowing anybody up right now. They only scored one run on Wednesday night and I think that we'll see a lower scoring affair. I really like Musgrove. I think he will limit the Cardinals. So, you know, if you want to maybe specify that down and take a Cardinals team total under instead of the full game under, I like that as well. Uh, But yeah, I lean Padres, but I think this one stays as a slower paced game. You mentioned that you think that this game is going to stay a little bit lower in terms of the total. I think this one is as well as we go to the Seattle Mariners and Oakland A's game. Oakland about as pitcher-friendly as it gets, and they trot out their Adrian Martinez, who, unless he starts not good for him. Prior to that, he actually showed a little bit of promise, and George Kirby is having one of the most remarkable just forms of command that we've ever seen. He's averaging right around 1.2 walks per nine innings. It is absolutely obscene. I know that both of you guys have picks on this one, so Sean, I'm going to start with you. Where are you looking in terms of Mariners versus the Oakland A's? Yeah, Kirby kind of a different pitcher than what we saw for the first couple of months. I believe he went back down to the minors, but there was a gap between his starts at the end of June and then July, and he came back with a new pitch mix. His fastball usage before the break, 52%. Since he came back in late July, it's at 64%. He pulled off of his slider and his changeup, gone more fastball, curveball. 343 expected FIP in that first sample. Right after coming back, it's down to 2.9. So he shaved a half run off of that. His FIP is 133 over that same sample. You talked about his command being absolutely phenomenal. Compare that to Martinez, whose expected ERA is over six. I made the first five line here for the Mariners, 70% minus 235 implied. I like it all the way up to minus 215. I laid it at minus 200. I think there's a big pitching mismatch, particularly for the first five. And then I know that you've got a little bit on this as well, Justin. Take me through Mariners versus A's because I personally like the under in this spot. I don't know if I would be able to lay this chalky of a money line with Seattle, but I certainly do think that you're going to get a very good start here out of George Kirby. Yeah, I'm going to play Kirby as well. I've been really impressed, watched a lot of his season unfold. The command really is something special to watch. This kid's going to be awesome for, you know, hopefully years to come, hopefully stays healthy. So I'm going to go ahead and, you know, lay the minus uh, half run on the first five. I think I got minus 132. I thought that was a pretty nice number. I just really don't expect this one to be something where the Mariners can't score. The A's have not really been able to keep runs off. Off the board, I know it is a a pitcher-friendly park, but I do expect Seattle to continue to you know play pretty well. They do decently in these West Coast games. It's not like they're super foreign to the hitting environment. So I I do like Seattle to have a lead by the end of the first five, and you know hopefully Kirby locks it down and they don't even have a chance to get any any support against them. So (laughs) yeah, I I could see this being a Seattle gets like two runs in the first few innings, and that turns out to be enough for them because. In Oakland, it's very hard to get runs in that ballpark. And 
I know that, Sean, you've got a little bit of a play in terms of the Phillies and the Atlanta Braves game, which this is a big one for the Philadelphia Phillies. They were riding a big losing streak going into Wednesday, so them getting that done in extra innings, that gives them a little bit of breathing room as the Brewers. They also won on Wednesday as they're trying to get that last wildcard spot, but for Rangers Suarez, he and the Phillies find themselves about a plus-130 to a plus-135 underdog. Braves up to about a minus-155. Max Fried has been solid, but Rangers Suarez post-All-Star break. He's been a nice revelation as well, and I think that you've got a little bit of an angle in terms of Suarez. Yeah, I think Suarez gets underrated just because he's not a big strikeout guy. Averages around seven per nine innings. What he does do, though, is generate a ton of weak contact, and his expected ERA is around 3.5, which is surprising for a guy with that type of strikeout rate, but he gets a ground ball or a pop-up more than two-thirds of the time. Both teams are in their better split here. Both hit better against lefties than they do against righties. On the season, they're actually neck and neck. But since the All-Star break in the second half, the Phillies are actually fourth, 25% better than league average against lefties. The Braves are seventh and 16% better. So maybe a slight offense advantage here for the Phillies. Braves would make Matt Freed a better starter. His expected ERA more than a half run better than Suarez. But I think Suarez is just kind of underrated by the market. So I like the Phillies here. Projected their full game line at plus 120. Would bet it down to plus 130. And I initially would have thought about an over considering the splits for both offenses, but it does look like the wind is blowing in from center field for tomorrow's game. So with the wind blowing dead in over 10 miles an hour, I believe it's closer to 15. My weather neutral total was eight. I'm probably going to have to adjust that down closer to seven and a half or seven. Once I actually get my official weather data, once we jump off of this, uh, this show, but Definitely was leaning to an over, but if anything, I'm going to have to take an under. And we've actually seen that total go the opposite way as we saw a lot of seven and a halfs on the open. Now I'm seeing quite a few eights and out of seven and a half, I could possibly get behind an over at an eight. I think that has went a little bit too far to your point as well. So I'm in agreement on that. And Justin got about a minute left. Is there any other game on the card that you've been looking at in terms of a bet that you might either take overnight or perhaps wait until the AM because we also have quite a few games off the board? Yeah, I'm definitely going to be waiting for the morning to come around on this Cubs-Pirates game. I know it's kind of gross, but I love those matchups between yes. the bottom-tier teams. It gives you just a little bit more wiggle room. No one really wants to bet it. But I think Mitch Keller has actually looked pretty good in his last few starts. I think he might be able to take it to this Cubs team. The Pirates have shown a little bit more life than maybe you'd expect over the last month. They have a lot of young guys. They're trying things out. This is the time of the year where a team like the Pirates can catch a few surprise wins and I do think that the Cubs aren't exactly the toughest competition so I'll be looking at Pirates tomorrow maybe leaning that way right now but waiting for weather data lineups and lines and Mitch Keller has actually been very solid for the Pittsburgh Pirates as well so that's something to watch out for and more than solid is the two gentlemen that join me Sean's role of the Action Network and Justin Perry of Shaw Quality Bets always a pleasure to have you gentlemen aboard thank you so much for joining me always a pleasure Always great to have those two guys aboard, and we've talked a lot of baseball this hour, so let's talk about Thursday Night Football next here on the Great Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. Start your football season off on the right foot by subscribing to VSIN Pro. Get full access to everything that we do, including our daily picks at a glance, which recaps our top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests 24-7 video season prep which includes our weekly college and pro football matchup guides which we cover every game all season long pro tools like our exclusive betting splits and pro tips updated every hour with actionable insights to up your betting game sign up for our discounted football special and get vsim pro access to everything that we do not through the super bowl for just 175 dollars or save 50 percent off the monthly price with our annual subscription and bet smarter all season long go to vsim.com subscribe for all of your options to become a part of the Sports Bank Network as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Great to be joined by our two guests, Dawkins of Baseball, Justin Perry, who does a great job over at Shock Quality Bets, and then our good friend Sean Zarillo, who does great work over at the Action Network. And we just mentioned those pro tips, which we update every hour. The one that you want to pull out from that one, in my opinion, is just take a look at the weather as it gets cooler during the year when you handicap baseball. Because we're taking a look at the New York Yankees. Balls that were flying out in the summer in Yankee Stadium might not be flying out in October. That makes a difference not only in terms of the way that you handicap a guy like an Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, but on top of that, that makes a big impact in terms of those totals as well. Those eight overs that you were able to get maybe in August, July, maybe you're not going to be getting those in September, October. So I do think that that is very important to note. And you're able to separate these by sport, by show, visa.com. So I have subscribed for that. And 
We've got a great team that assembles all of this. As Jason Kahn, my wonderful producer, he's the reason why we've got all these quality guests. And in hour number three, we're going to be talking to Scott Reichel. We're going to be hitting upon a little bit of college football. We're going to be hitting upon a lot of NFL as well. And Jason is the man that sets all that up. For those of you guys watching on whatever streaming service, whatever video service you've got, we've got our man Nick who does a great job with all the graphics, everything that you see on screen. He's responsible for that and does an amazing job. And then Taylor gets me set up on the audio, which is why we sound so crisp and clean. Even when sometimes the thoughts go a little bit off the rails, it always sounds sharp. Thanks to our good friend Taylor. They are the best in the business. It may say the Greg Peterson experience on this, but it takes a team to be able to make it work. And I've got the best teammates that I could ever hope for. So these guys, they are amazing. And what else is amazing is the fact that we've got some Thursday night football an amazingly low total as well in terms of Thursday Night Football. We've talked a lot about baseball this hour, so we got to take a little bit of a look at Thursday Night Football. It's Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers in a good old AFC North rivalry matchup. And with the AFC North rivalry matchup, typically you get low totals, and this falls in line with that. Right now, I'm seeing the total anywhere between 38 and 39. So we're seeing a full point, shall we say, discrepancy from book to book in terms of the market, but... Right now, we're seeing pretty much a median total of a 38.5. And with the Cleveland Browns, they're a 4.5-point favorite. And if you look at Thursday Night Football, in totals that have been 40 or less since the beginning of the 2010 season, there have been 20 of them, 15 have went under. And I'm someone that I always think that the total is set low for a reason. And typically, these are some grody unders to take. And for those of you guys that are college basketball handicappers as well, it's sort of the same when you get a total below like 120 and it's like, oh boy, I'm taking it under and banking on neither team to really get to 60 here. And I do think that those could be some very profitable angles, but I take a look at this Pittsburgh Steelers team and I think that they're going to be able to get a little bit of something going on offense. I'm not saying that they're going to go out here and they're going to score five touchdowns or anything like that, but I do think that the Steelers are going to be able to progress a little bit. And for the Cleveland Browns, they've shown signs of life on offense as well. They did not lose that game against the J-E-T-S Jets Jets just because they weren't moving the ball, and I feel like that's a little bit of a misnomer with the Cleveland Browns. Jacoby Brissett, is he Deshaun Watson? Heck no, not at all, but at the same time, Jacoby Brissett has been able to do a solid job in his first two weeks with the Cleveland Browns in the loss that they took to the Jets. He led the team to 30 points. He threw for 229 yards, completed over 80% of his passes. He did have a pick along the way, but Jacoby Brissett is a Solid quarterback. If you were to rate the 32 quarterbacks that are going to be under center for this week, would you put him in your six, top 16? Heck no. He's certainly better than some of these schlubs that we're seeing, including the guy that he wanted playing against last Sunday and Joe Flacco, but I do also think that the Browns are going to be able to get the ground game going. Nick Chubb, he has been terrific this season. He has been terrific since he's come into the NFL. That Cleveland Browns run game in general, I think is going to be able to do a solid job against a Pittsburgh Steelers team that maybe they will do a relatively solid job of being able to contain the ground game, but that's also a little bit of the bugaboo of the Cleveland Browns. They do a good job of running the ball, but in terms of being able to contain the run as well, I do have my trepidations with them a little bit as well. I think that Najee Harris is going to be able to do an okay job of being able to get things moving against this ground game as long as they stay committed to it because Najee Harris has just been really a usage guy and a usage guy only for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He gets the ball off, but he's not necessarily an exploder. And I think that it's going to be important for them 
to utilize Najee Harris early and then set up a play action. And I do think that they're going to be able to do so. With Mitchell Trubisky, he has a little bit of an element that you weren't able to have with Ben Roethlisberger the last few seasons because let's go what it is. During the 2021 season, that was not Ben Roethlisberger going out there for the Pittsburgh Steelers that we all know and love, but rather a dude wearing a jersey that said Roethlisberger on the back of it. That was not so great. And for the Pittsburgh Steelers, still have solid weapons for him. Someone like a Chase Claypool. No, he's not like a top wide receiver in the league or anything like that. He's able to do a competent job. Deontay Johnson as well. And for the Cleveland Browns, we've seen Amari Cooper already get a touchdown for the team this season. In week two, he was really able to erupt after week one was a little bit herky-jerky against the Carolina Panthers. But with this Cleveland Browns team, they also do have very solid pass rush. So I do think that it's going to be key for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers to establish the ground. And I do think that they're going to stick with it. And I do think that the coaching advantage here goes to Mike Tomlin. Does he get this win outright? I am not sure. But what I do know is that Mike Tomlin is going to keep the Steelers competitive in this game. If he took the closing number last week against the New England Patriots, you got to push on the Cleveland Browns on three. If you took it a little bit earlier, if you took it in the contest, well, you were a little bit more sorry out of luck in that case. But for the Pittsburgh Steelers, we've seen the line move against them. And can't say that I've seen enough to make the Steelers in this spot a four and a half point underdog. At three, I would be considering the Browns because that way you'd be able to, at the very least, get a push on three. But we've seen the underdogs have quite a bit of value on Thursday Night Football. Heck, take a look back to the last Thursday Night Football game. That was a game that landed three points between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Now, a little bit of a different scenario there. We were expecting a whole heck of a lot more offense. And the offenses, they were able to do a relatively solid job, but I do think that for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the defense has been propped up a little bit by the turnovers that they forced in week one against the Cincinnati Bengals, and they are going to be without TJ Watt as well, and I think that that is just so important because it really didn't come through in that game against the New England Patriots because the Patriots, they themselves, well, it's an offense that's a little bit of a work in progress as well. You still have guys like Tyson Aluelo up front that they do a little bit of a better job I'll be able to jam up the run. But in terms of the pass, I do think that there are going to be open guys for Jacoby Brissett. And I do think that Jacoby Brissett is capable of being able to hit some of those open wide receivers. I think that he's going to do a good job of being able to establish the pass. And then from there, you're able to run the ball with Nick Chubb. So I actually do think that both teams have a chance to be able to get to 20. I don't think that any sort of an alternate total is worth taking a shot on or anything like that. But I think that this could be your classic 24, 21, maybe even up to a 27 to 24 game if all things go right and all things go right. But I do think that sub 40, it's just went down a little bit too low. I do like this little over and with the Steelers. I think that this just once again feels like a little bit of a classic three point game. Getting four and a half with them is something that does appeal to me. Don't get frisky on the money line, in my opinion, in this one, just because I don't think that there's enough firepower for the Steelers to be able to do quite that and for the Steelers again that TJ Watt injury it is relatively impactful and with the Pittsburgh Steelers as well I do think that it's going to be a case which Najee Harris probably going to be established on the ground and then I do think that they might wind up moving away from him just a little bit so a circumstance in which I'm going to be taking a look at the over and I'm going to be taking a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers as this has been one of the biggest movers of the week in terms of the NFL as well and we've seen a few lines that have moved. This is really one of the games that have moved by a point and a half from the opener. We've seen that in terms of the Chiefs and the Indianapolis Colts as well. 
Now you're finding the Chiefs after being a three-point favorite right around a five-and-a-half. We've been seeing that as well in the Buffalo Bills versus Miami Dolphins game, and I do think that these are things that you want to be taking a look at as well because when you are able to take a look at some of these opening numbers and you see them get moved the way that they do, typically it's based on something that we saw very dramatically from Sunday slash Monday in the case of the Buffalo Bills, them coming out and completely pulverizing the Tennessee Titans. That is something that moved this line from more around a four and a half to a six. And I do think that being able to take advantage of some of these overreactions is very beneficial. I feel like we might be getting that in Steelers versus the Browns as well. So we've got a great Thursday night football game that's going to be going down, but we've got a great slate of football in general coming up for this upcoming week. We're going to be talking about that with Scott Reichel in our number three and a little bit of baseball for Thursday as well in our number three of the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. Bet River Sportsbook app has a huge number of live streaming events every day. Bet River Sportsbook has great offers, including a $250 match bonus on your first deposit, and all bonuses are only one time playthrough. Amazing offers and great customer service makes Bet Rivers your hometown sportsbook. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.